Ian comes to speak to us, we're going to be reading from the Bibles. If you've got a pew Bible in front of you, it's on page 1000. It's easy to find. And if you haven't, you have a different version. It's Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 to 10. Resurrection. This is Matthew 28, verses 1 to 10. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. He is risen. Jesus is alive. We're not trying to whip up ourselves to believe in this. The resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ is a fact that can be tested. And let us declare it again. He is risen. Before I begin, I want to recommend three books, two of which I've read. The third, I haven't, but a friend has recommended it to me, and I have yet to read it. The first book, I can claim that I know the author as a friend. He wrote this when he was a criminal lawyer, not that's connected to me at all, (laughs) but uh, The Resurrection is the title, The Unopened Gift. And as a lawyer, he breaks down 
the articles in which we can be confident in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jared Crispin is the author. The publisher's day one. You can actually get this copy. This is where I've got it from, the library in Southampton under Christianity. The second, I haven't completely read it. I've delved into parts of it. Evidence that, de- that demands a verdict by Josh McDowell. No, I haven't met this author. Um, historical evidence for the Christian faith. And he tackles a whole chapter, chapter 10, on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the third book, the author knows me very well, but I, I'm still learning <laughs> this one. Today, we're recognizing and rejoicing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I only want to look at one ray in the spectrum of what testifies that we can have confidence in what he has done and said and claimed. Time does not permit, but I'm looking at one part of this truth. And later on, we'll be hearing from our friends, Roger and Rachel, how their story has led them to come and get wet on a Sunday morning. It sounds a bit obscure, but if you follow in the Bible, you can turn to page 197, Deuteronomy chapter 18, and we'll be looking at verse 14 to 22. If you're not familiar with the Bible, this is a book that Moses wrote towards the end of his life. To the Hebrew people, the Jews we call today, those who were rescued out of slavery in Egypt and they were just about to enter into the promised land. And he points them and he speaks here in verse 14. Let us read it. The nations you will dispossess Listen to those who practice sorcery and divination. But as for you, the Lord your God has not permitted you to do so. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. You must listen to him. For this is what you asked the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire anymore, or we will die. If I may just pause there. This is when they were called to the mountain and Moses was upon the mountain. And God sort of gave them a revelation of his holiness. And they were terrified of how pure God was. 
and they recognize their own sinfulness. Verse 17, the Lord said unto me, this is Moses continuing, what they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I command him. If anyone does not listen to my words, that the prophet speaks in my name, I myself will call him to account. But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name, anything I have not commanded him to say, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods, must be put to death. No false prophets. Nobody proclaiming to speak on behalf of God. Well, the question raised, well, how do we know? What will be the proof that he is speaking the words of God? Verse 21. You may say to yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been, sorry, has not been spoken by the Lord? Verse 22, if what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message that has not, the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously and do not be afraid of him. Let's sum that up. Any one of us can claim to be a prophet. Anyone can claim to speak God's words. But if his claim does not come true, it is empty. And we see there the warning, he should be put to death. It can be said that many of the Old Testament prophets that follow Moses, to a degree... And in greater part, fulfill these very words because they were speaking God's words. And the things they said did come to pass. But when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, we find here a prophet who speaks again and again. And his words come to pass. He continually not bring a new message of some other God. But the one who has been hidden to them through their rebelliousness. So Deuteronomy tells us God will raise up a prophet. Let us look quickly. You don't have to turn to the verses, I'll read them to you. Two eyewitness accounts of those who first met Jesus. Both are found in John's Gospel. First John, verse 45, Philip calls his friend Nathaniel. We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Nathaniel meets Jesus and they have this conversation. Some of it is hidden to us. 
And in verse 48, Nathaniel asked, How do you know me? Because Jesus declares things about Nathaniel, even though I haven't met him before. In John chapter 4, verse 39, when Jesus meets a Samaritan who was an enemy of the Jews, he met this woman at the well. In conversation with her, she then goes back to her town and declares it. He told me everything I ever did, she publicly declared. And this was a woman who had a history of failed relationships. And Jesus transformed her and the town she came from. Well, you may ask, is he just a mind reader? Is he a a, a modern day, an old-fashioned equivalent of our Darren Brown? Or does he speak the truth as he claims? Let us turn up the heat a bit more. What do we see? In Matthew 16... Verse 21, we read that from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Let's make two notes briefly. This is where the pretenders, the false prophets, the tricksters, the mind readers, drift away into the shadows. We do not see them putting their life on the line, submitting to an authoritarian state. They live in comfort in the Western culture and society where it is safe to say what you want. They do not live in difficult circumstances. And yet those who have spoken and claimed to be another representation of Christ like David Koresh some years ago, these false prophets did not yield to the authority, but in the end came to needless deaths of many people. And the second point, Jesus now makes two claims. His death, well you say, well that's obvious, we're all going to die there. But by the hands of the authorities, who knows? But after three days, he'll be raised to life. Let's examine this prophet. Will his word come to pass? If not, we must reject him. The religious leaders understood this claim of Jesus. And this is why they requested specifically that soldiers were to stand watch over the tomb. 
Matthew 27, let me turn to that. Page 100. Sorry, 1,000, sorry. 27. We're down one zero less. Verse 62. The next day, the one, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days I'll raise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise... His deceived people, the followers, the disciples, may come and steal the body and tell the people that he is risen from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. See, they had rejected him. He's now dead. It has come true. Deuteronomy 18 said, if he's false, he will die, and he will stay dead. His teaching and his claim to be speaking on behalf of God has not come true. The stones which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And as James read earlier here from Matthew 28 and the other accounts in the Gospels, how the disciples, even they were surprised at his resurrection. Even though having been foretold on many occasions, you examine it for yourself. And we also see after he is risen. But these terrified disciples now see the resurrection as their confidence and the bedrock of what they believed. They were willing to lay down their lives for something that they believed. Would you lay down your life for a lie? Something you know that is not true? Let me read to you Acts chapter 2. This Peter who was scared to even say that he'd be, he was a follower of Jesus on the eve of Good Friday. He stands in Acts chapter 2, verse 22, page 1093 at the bottom. And he declares, men of Jerusalem, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. 
But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Look down to verse 36. Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. He may have been rejected, but he has been raised to publicly declare he was sent by God. He was God's true prophet. And you say, well, we only have Peter's word for that. Let's dig deeper. Let's look further. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, page 1155. Verse 3. For what I received, I pass on to you, as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter, and then to the twelve, on more than one occasion, that is, After that, he appeared to over 500 of of the brothers at the same time. Most of whom, as Paul was writing at the time, are still living. In Paul's day, you could have gone to those individuals and said, did you see him? And they were able to stand up and say, yes. Then he appeared to James, verse 7. And to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared also to me, as to one abnormally born. A crowd of witnesses then. No wonder in his book, Who Moved a Stone? I can't remember the author's name. Sorry? Thank you very much. I've forgotten it. He started off to dispute the resurrection as a critical lawyer. And by the sheer evidence laid before him, he ended up writing a book in support of the resurrection and became a believer. Witnesses who confirm that they've seen him. Let's listen to Peter once more in his writing in 2 Peter chapter 1, page 1, 2, 2, 2. Verse 16. We do not follow clever, cleverly 
intended story, invented story, sorry. When we told you about the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father. When the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we are with him on the sacred mount. If you're not familiar, Peter is recalling when he and James and John were taken up with Jesus in several of the accounts where Jesus was transformed before them and standing there in conversation with Moses and Elijah, these prophets of old. And then suddenly a cloud descends upon them and they were scared and they heard this voice that says, this is my son in whom I love. Listen to him. Aren't those echoes of Deuteronomy 18? Listen to him. His words can be relied upon. And his resurrection affirms that. So if he is raised then he is the true prophet. And if he is the true prophet, in whom there is no lie and deception, even though our critical hearts would question it, everything else is true. From the, from the cross on which he bore, in which Peter reminds us he bore in his body on that cross our sin. As if God in his great love towards us demonstrating that he just doesn't love us by word but in action that in our fallen state we cannot work our way into God's favor through our efforts or through our strength or our religiousness. Because we all fall short of his holiness and his glory. And so he bore in his body the sins of the whole world. As God throws open the opportunity for everyone and anyone to first admit and recognize their sinfulness and their rebelliousness to him and to ask his forgiveness. And that is why for the believers here we have this confidence because if Jesus stayed in the grave we couldn't be sure Maybe sin had consumed him. Maybe he couldn't overcome it. Maybe he failed. 
So when he raises again, as Peter said, God raised him. It is not just that Jesus is resurrected, but he is the resurrection and the life. He is the one who sustains all things. Yet he's so hidden to us. Why not examine it for yourself further? Consider his message. And Peter finally in 1 Peter 1. Page 1217, where it says, Praise to God for a living hope. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. Have you ever gone to a restaurant with your family or friends, and you've reserved a place and you go in, and you don't have to wait and hope you might get in, there's a place reserved For you. And through the death of Jesus and his resurrection, God is saying if you confess your sins, he is faithful to that honesty. And he will reserve for you an eternal inheritance. So shortly... We'll be sharing and hearing from Roger and Rachel their story of how they've come to this place, how they've come to this position to get wet.